right here, so. Oh, he topped Whoa. it. He cold topped it. Okay. Ready to go. Yeah. Oh, he shanked it. Oh, look at that line, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy, is he out of sync. Welcome to the Bogey Boys podcast. You're joined by Mark and Kevin, or Kevin and Mark, preferably yeah. Kevin and Mark, because obviously I am the alpha male in the group. <laughs> <laughs> Self-proclaimed. Maybe on the golf course you've had a couple of wins, but I reckon it stops there. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mark and Kevin sounds better anyway. Yeah, it does. Some big news to drop, haven't we? We have. Are you giving it to them now? Yeah, let's give it to them now, eh? Go on. So the Bogey Boys are proud to announce an affiliation, our first partnership with Arcos Golf. It's big news. It's um, I've only had a look at the um, the stuff we've been sent there, and it's it looks seriously high tech, doesn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, if you're a golfer who's wanting to get the handicap down like we are, and you want to start taking golf seriously, then what better way than having this caddy? If that starts telling me I'm at a seven iron, one fifty, and all that, though, it's going to go off. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know I come up 20 yards short, but I fully believe my seven irons go 170 on. Oh, my So it's <laughs> reality, reality hits home sometimes with distances, doesn't it? When you realize I don't hit it as far as I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it will tell you exactly where you are on the golf course and it'll tell you what club the, they think that you should hit. That's sick, isn't it? It's unbelievable. We don't know too much about it, do we, Kev? We've just not really, it. no. But we're going to be using it, and we're going to be using it as our statistics. It gives you stroke gained for putting. It's very, it's, it's very, very. Um, I it's think very high like tech. I, yeah, I think I know. I can obviously. I'm just saying this because it's obviously it's on my worktop counter. But if I didn't, if I heard about this, I'd probably go out and buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got an exclusive discount code for all our listeners as well. So at checkout, if you type in Bogey Boys Ten, you'll get ten percent off any of your orders. We're going up in the world, aren't we? Episode by episode, yeah. <laughs> We're getting brick, there. Brick by brick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, the idea is for us to work on it. We're going to work hard on our game this winter, aren't we, Kev? I am literally, honestly, I've never been more focused. Like, I even went the range today, and David was telling me a couple of weeks ago, you need to change your grip, which is a bit strong. And I just took it upon myself to move my grip to the left, and you know what a grip change does. Oh, it, 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 it fucks you up. So, and I done it, and I hit seventy balls, and it was it felt natural by the end of it. So it's not that it's not that much work you have to put in, but you just have to be going the range. Do you know what I mean? Over this winter. Well, one thing that's always stuck with me is the saying: "Feels not real." So yeah. when you make a change, it will not feel right. So if you exactly. if, you're make, if you're making a change and it feels natural to you, then it's you're not you're not making that change. It needs um, to feel awkward. You need to stick with it. Believe it. I can't honestly I want to see as I want to be next season as good as I can be. I want to put the work in cold, like as long as it's gonna be cold or whatever, just smash it this winter. Well, the benefits we've got with this is we're gonna be able to understand our strokes gained for our putting, our driving, and it's gonna give us the statistics of where we need to improve so that when we are wanting to speak to David and get those improvements through the coaching, we can show him the statistics and we can be like, look. This is where I'm struggling. Let's go and work on yeah. this. So there's a pain. I need to, to focus practice. on me putting. I need to focus on me chipping. Every time I've got over 150, I'm, I'm making bogeys every time. It's like you can pinpoint where you, what you need to work on, can't you? And this is exactly when we spoke to Sean Townsend, when we talked about practice, what goes into becoming a professional. He said at the beginning of his career, he was just ball, balls, balls. There was no purpose to it. But now there's a more of a deliberate practicing that he does. So he works on 
aspects of his game. So he doesn't work for as long. So he works smarter, not harder. And yeah. I think with this, we're going to obviously see those benefits and we're going to be able to do that. You can be blissfully unaware and just go around the golf course, chopping it around and think you're improving because you have one good round. But it's it's not about it's not about how good your good shots are because everyone can make a birdie, everyone can stiff it. It's how good your bad shots are and reining them bad shots in to make your bad shots just miss the green or, do you know what I mean? You can miss them in right areas and all that. That's how you become better. We're talking about birdies and bogeys and good shots and bad shots. We had a few of them yesterday, didn't we, when we had the game? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 12 birdies we had between the three of us. So Kevin and I played with PJ professional David Goscombe. Uh, just round the south. I love the way we call them that every time. <laughs> well, do you know when we see a couple of the, when we see the lads at the golf club, they go, "Ask PJ professional David Goscombe." <laughs> That's sick. That <laughs> I think we've introduced them enough now. Just David will do, won't it? Yeah. So Kev, David, and I, we all played. Southport names there. Stapleford match. Kev off his six, me off me five, and. David David's off scratch. off scratch. Yeah, so we had a stable for game, and between us, we had twelve birdies, didn't we? Should have been thirteen if um, if I'd have just uh, kept my mouth shut when you didn't see me fl- ch- chunk that one in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> so Kev jumped on the birdie train, birdied fourteen and fifteen, and then we played the par five sixteenth, which was playing a lot shorter, so it was an easy birdie opportunity. It didn't stop me from making a six, but uh, <laughs> birdie opportunity for your average and. You were on top of the on top of the Gumbleys Hill, weren't you? And top yeah. it, and I didn't see it. And then you played your next shot. Um, and then got got up and, and down from on. like 120 odd yards. And then you were like, that's three in a row. I was like, well, you didn't see me fluff one back there, did you? <laughs> Very honest <laughs> of you. All part of the integrity, the integral part of the game, that being honest. No, but it was a great game, wasn't it? We um, oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it? But you know, for, for me, my golf improved a lot just by having a professional play with you. No, it does cause because he's, he, he's solid and he? he just doesn't miss fairways. He's he's he pots it up there and he just he takes his time. I noticed like he takes his time as well. Don't you mean you just stand up there? It's a, he thinks a, a lot about his shots and it shows in his score. Yeah, definitely shows in his score. So, but they, for the front for the front nine, I had three birdies and I was only two over gross. That's the best front nine. Thirty nine broke forty for the first time in God knows how long. We don't really need to speak about the back nine as much, but the front nine was fantastic. No birdies back nine for me, just plenty of, of bogeys and tops. And You turn around to me on the, walking up the ninth and go, you've had no birdie. No, you've only had one birdie today. You need to catch up. And you went, I'm winning. And I was like, oh, yeah, why have you just said that? You're obviously going to lose now. I birdied the ninth, had a couple of birdies back nine, got me, got myself on par with you. So you ended up, up with... getting up getting up and down on the last night of Ty David. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff. What was nice as well, just to brace, embrace the elements a bit, because you can easily see the weather and think, you know, and I'm not going out there, but getting out there in the rain, it's yeah, we got especially because we've got a few, we, we've got a few American listeners as well, haven't we? Texas, Florida, who probably like don't deal with the rain as much. You know what I mean? Like, and seeing us out there, I hope they they appreciate the struggle that we go through. <laughs> <laughs> Still making babies. You know when the rain comes down, that's that's when I made me treble bogey seven on twelve. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's I a fair weather goal for me. After, I only started making birds after we passed the uh, the beer tent. <laughs> you did, yeah. <laughs> I played a golf tournament, believe it or not. So we got my handicap index came through. It's all a little too late in it with that you playing tournaments. You know what I you've know. been up to. You just it's didn't so... want me to be lower than you. <laughs> we'll come on to the 
the handicap index and the golf. We're gonna we're gonna open up a new segment today, and we're gonna talk about the new golf handicap system that comes into effect from the second of November. So literally five or six days away from that. So we're gonna build it up and just just to see how our new handicap system works in this country and how it's gonna impact our game for next year. But and given- anyone as well, sorry, anyone as well who's who's going to be affected by this new handicap system. Message in and tell me if you've lost shots, if you've gone up, if you have if you like it, if you don't like it. We can open up a little bit about um, what, what we think of it sort of thing in, in, in England, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose that speaking to a couple of the lads around the golf club, the bigger national tournaments, a lot of the lower lads weren't getting in because this handicap system was used all around Europe and they were getting lower. So the category of getting into those tournaments, the cutoff was at a lower standard. So our guys were getting punished because the handicap was higher and they weren't reaching the cutoff. So you find a lot of a lot of Spanish, Italian, French. I've like seen European. that when, like, I remember Sergio being off plus seven or something. I was thinking, like, is he shooting seven under every time he goes out? Or, like, what is going on? And that's obviously, yeah. it's obviously this handicap system, isn't it? The handicap system just helps them so much. So hopefully this is going to even the playing field for that level. But there's a bit of controversy for the, for the higher guys, you know, where you're getting the lower shots and... We'll come on to it later. Because we'll I know you've got a later. whole spiel on it, haven't you? Do you know what I mean? As much as start talking about it there. But we so I decided to play a golf tournament and I was three over through six, you'd be glad to know. No, nice, nice. That's a golf is going you, you've well. got you've got you, only um, one little conversation with that man, PT, and you're already breaking your six over through six. I'm thinking about it. I think that's what it is. It's in my head so much. But yeah, yeah. Three, three over through six holes, thinking this could be good for me, yeah. Keeping it steady. And then I calculated that after the round and I was on 24 stable foot points through 13 holes. So you're 26 is level your handicap. So I was on 24 points. I finished on 26 points. I got two points. <laughs> <laughs> I went bogey, blob, 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 bogey. And you know, for the first time since I've started playing um, competitively again for a while, I felt like drop kicking my golf bag off the tee snapping every club I just the anger do you know when it's not even an important golf tournament but do you know back in the back in the day when you're playing big tournaments and you you ruin your score because you do something stupid I just yeah. I done something stupid one after the other and it just it just took me back to those days well, I, I just listen that doesn't seem to go because Rory was snapping clubs on the weekend money did he snap some I yeah, didn't see. yeah yeah I think he snapped a wedge on the, um, one of the days facts check alert <laughs> <laughs> I was say, when he's when he's snap when he's snapping them clubs and throwing them in the bin, he should throw that hoodie in the bin with it. <laughs> yeah. Talking about Rory, that moves us on to the Zozo Championship. Then I um, I'm starting. I honestly, you know me, I love a bandwagon. I'm, I'm looking on getting one. Don't. don't. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't I can't wait to wear. Like, are the golf specific hoodies? Like, oh, can you just wear any hoodie? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I like, think, do you know what I mean? I think the hoodies that Tittle Hatton wore and Jordan Well, obviously, Smith... Tittle Hatton is Adidas and he's wore an Adidas hoodie and it's got major, major talking time. Any publicity is good publicity. So Nike have obviously said, we need to get fucking Rory out there in a hoodie immediately, if not fucking sooner. You're going to go out and buy the Nike one or the Adidas one from them, which is a higher priced thing. Do you know what I mean? So it's a good, it's good marketing for them. But the problem I've got is that people won't buy the golf specific ones and they'll just turn up in any old hoodie. You don't really see people turn up in any old polo, do you? They get like golf specific polos and stuff, don't do you know what I mean? Mm, I don't know, you know. No. I've 
I've played golf with me Hugo Boss polos before. Yeah, but you're a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> and they wear golf specific. <laughs> they are, because Stenson wears them, don't he? Yeah, but there's, there's the, that's the Hugo Boss sport ones I'm talking about, the thick cotton ones. You know, I've worn You should have been banned for that. <laughs> <laughs> but even the Ralph Lauren stuff, you've got the Ralph Lauren hood. No, you have, you have. Yeah, and there's golf specific ones, and then you've got the normal attire. So, I mean, don't get me wrong with a polo, it's difficult to get it wrong. But what I'm saying is, if you've got a, a baggy hoodie, is that going to get in the way of your golf? If you're putting and you've got baggy, and as you're leaning over for your putt yeah, and, like and it's baggy, is it going to get? Yeah. Is it going to get caught in your hands? Um, like we said before, there's tassels. How are the tassels going to affect you? They've obviously these have been made for the hood to specifically not impact them when they do the backswing and follow through. So are these big hoods going to wrap around and smack it in the face as you're doing? Well, that's swing? what I mean. So I've got it. I've got. I I love the. I love a sleeveless G light um, jacket. I love wearing them. I wear them at nights out. I wear them everywhere, and. I've never I've, I've put one on a few times for golf and thought I can't swing in this. But then you get golf specific ones that are like tighter around the chest, like Nike or Adidas, and the and the the designs are not getting in the way. Yeah. So the hoodies are going to be designed that way. I guarantee you, this is another like Kev statement coming out that Ralph Lauren and like all the other big companies like Under Armour and stuff will all bring out a hoodie. Yeah, well they they'll have, have to. to. They'll have they to have now. To. Yeah. They have yeah. to because they have to keep up with market. So whatever we say about hoodies, whether we like them, whether we dislike them, they're here now. They're not going anywhere. As soon as somebody like Rory McIlroy, no disrespect to Tyrrell Hatton, he's a top golfer, he's world top ten. But somebody like Rory McIlroy throws a hoodie on, it's discussion over. Well, do you remember what they, obviously it's collared? You need a collared shirt to play golf. You can't play golf without a collar. And then next minute, Nike bring out the fucking polar neck thing. Tigers wearing them, and then all of a sudden, Tiger wore them this week. Yeah, exactly. On that, when he was wearing black, exactly, yeah. and, and you don't need to wear a collar anymore. So, like when it obviously because it's the goes and the tag and it, it moves forward, everyone starts copying. It's it's the same thing. Rory's the new donkey for Nike, any show yeah. pony, sorry. Yeah, that's it. So we'll have to close I'm, the debate. I I know the debate is happening because I am getting one. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait I'm wagging a late. I know, yeah. I've Honestly. got well, I'm putting with my eyes closed. I'm buying Cobra clubs. I'm looking at one length clubs. I love Bryson, and now I'm getting a hoodie. You're getting thick grips. You're trying to get your ball <laughs> speed to 200 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> the list goes on. <laughs> okay, no, I love it, don't I? But other than Rory, the bogey for this week is the fact that players doing well in hoodies. No, oh, no, yeah. Hat Hold one. Jordan yeah. Smith got a hole in one and Rory shot 600 in his hoodie. No way. What a marketing tool. I, you know, I know Rory, did he only wear a hoodie for one day, did he? He just wore it on the final day, yeah. He did just he, turned yeah. up on the range with this grey hoodie on. But, you know, when you when you ask the question there about the golf specific, I know what you're saying about, like, the material and stuff, but it's also the, the design and what they look like and do they look golf worthy? Now, the Adidas one did. I thought it looked smart. I, I, I don't agree with the hoodie just because I don't like well, that. Well, Rory had his hood up, didn't he? Well, this is it. But even with the buttons and the way the buttons were, it just looked like a bit of a, I'm going for a jog. I can't really be bothered getting changed. So I'll just throw this hoodie on that at the bottom of the drawer. When you've got golf at 12 in the gym at 2. So that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Onto the Zozo there. But I was going to say, if Rory did wear it for all four days, um, he had the most birdies of, of his career. Yeah, he did. In four rounds, 29 birdies. 29. He, he wasn't the only one who had birdies. Do you know how many birdies there were for the whole... Well, not birdies, sorry. Do you know how how much, how much under par the, the whole field finished for that tournament? 
was anyone over? Team. Yeah, there was anyone. Obviously, how many people were over par? Do you know, like there was a, three. There was three players over par. Phil Mickelson was one of them as well. But yeah, <laughs> after his win with the Arv Fogies, and then yeah, he comes they, and you finishes. Know, he, he, he knows his lane, don't he, Phil? <laughs> he knows where he's going. Yeah, um, so, I don't know. Hundreds was it? Eight hundred and forty-four under par. Is that a record? That got to be some sort of fucking record, has it? We'll fact check that, but that yeah. literally, I mean, eight hundred and forty-four under par. It's the fact you had five reachable par fives on the course, so straight away. Well, we you, said last week that Bomber's going to tear it up, didn't we? It's it's just yeah, it's it's like it was like a par sixty-seven. It was a par seventy-two, but it was like a sixty-seven because you take those five shots off the five par fours, you could play them as par fours. Yeah, but yeah. So there was three players over par. Phil Mickelson card of the final round six over when he was paired with Tiger Woods. That's probably the biggest disappointment of the week for me. There, I don't know what I, I was looking at. Um, I seen the stat there. It was like Tiger bounces back with sixty six, and it leaves him only twelve back. <laughs> I was like, fucking <laughs> hell. I was like, well, what kind of stat? You need to take the only out of that statistic there, don't be. And like I was like, and then and then, but then I did see a few. Like I, we just love Tiger, don't we? Obviously, so seeing a few highlights, like that flop shot over the tree. He was draining a few big putts. He was stiffing it in there on a few holes. Just it's he, he never does well as first tournament back, does he? No, he doesn't. And I think he's just warming us up for the big one. I want to say, I think he, I reckon he only played because he was defending champion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he always supports the zones. He plays every year, so I think that's yeah. well every year that he's fit too. So he's always gonna play. He was always gonna play that tournament, wasn't he? And, the one, the one thing he did do, he had a little Jason Duffner, didn't he? He chipped it two feet in front of him and then put the wedge straight back in the bag, pulled the putter out and hold the putts for that proper textbook Tiger Woods. Yeah, but do you mean that? Just, do you know what that? Another thing that shows well is the mental strength because I've seen him duff a chip and then chip in. Yeah. And I've seen Spieth do it where it's like, if I duff a chip, I think it's my whole world's collapsed. Do you know what? Funny, funny little story. Yeah, I remember our Liam once, we're on the 10th of Formby Hall and he had, to, he had a chip for Eagle. And then he, he didn't duff it, but he hit it quite bad. And he fucking whacked the floor like that, out, out the roof, chipped the divot went like that, and the divot landed in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> it was the sickest ever. That's <laughs> oh. so good, that. that but yeah, Tiger Woods, he had a disappointing tournament, didn't he? Just the one round in he the did. 60s was a 66 we just spoke about then on day two. Yeah. Um, terrible start to the tournaments as well. He was three over in his first four holes and round there. You need it's a fast comp- start, don't you? It's competition rust, man. It's got to be, yeah. isn't it? It's got to be, yeah. It's all about the Masters prep for him. Yeah. All about the Masters prep. But John Ryan and Justin Thomas, they're both going to be disappointed, aren't they? Majorly yeah, disappointed. I just love um, I love how disappointed Thomas was when he didn't hold his, um, his second shot on 18 to tie. To tie, I know. He was, it was like he was raging, wasn't it? I know. It's, but it, it just shows the ability of the man. You know, That's he it, can, yeah. He's, he, he obviously... He had a very, very slow back nine. You think he shot seven under, seven under the first two rounds, then he's got himself to 19 under, I think. And in that final round, he's only shot three under, three or four under, I think it was. I can't remember the scoring, but he, um, he got himself to 22 under par after with nine holes to go and then shot level par back nine. Yeah, on a, on a Sunday, with, when there's so many opportunities out there, I mean, you should have seen some of the places he put himself in. He put himself on a car path once and played this big sling and hook back onto the middle of the fairway. But that's the thing. It's a par five. And then he's had other ones where he's chipping through the pine needles, playing these big slices. He's just, he, he every shot in the book, do you know what I mean? But then he said in his commentary, it was good to see those shots, but um, it, I'm more worried the fact that I'm putting myself in those positions. Positions, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Justin Thomas finished tied second. 
with Ram. Um, as I say, he missed that shot on the last, didn't he? Going into the last, but he held yeah, that Yeah, then he putt. held the putt, yeah. yeah. Held the putt for Birdie. And that putt itself, it stopped John Ram going to world number one. Because John Ram, he actually got himself to 23 under par, which was the winning target, through 11 holes. So for his last, yeah, his last seven holes on the back nine, he shot one over par. That's what I'm saying. Like the, them two sorts of golfers, well, perform perform well number ones, both of them. Like it's the they'll be disappointed to be shooting level pars, one over his back nine on the Sunday. That's like us making four trebles on the way in there. The yeah. same sort of standards. It is. It is. Yeah, especially when there's so many birdies being. Look at the whole field's finished 844 under par, so it, it's gettable. You know, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. I mean, Patrick Cantley's shot was at eight seven eight under. To win the tournament, yeah. seven under on the final day to win by one shot, and they've they only need to make one bit one more birdie back nine. You've got two par fives on the back nine or three par fives on the back nine, whatever it was. And it, even if you look at John Ram's statistics, he's at sixty out of the seventy-two greens in regulation, so he's only missed twelve greens out of seventy-two holes. He has an 83.33 percent greens in. So regulation. he's only missing three greens a day. This is it. So the amount of opportunities he's having. Uh, and he's still he's 23 under par. He's at the winning margin uh, with seven holes to go on the back nine. So he's he's in with a great chance. And then he shoots one over for those last seven holes. And you're just thinking to yourself, come on. Hey, what's that though? Bit of nerves, bit of what? You know what I mean? He's been there and done it before, hasn't he? So I just, I mean, I suppose he's playing with a player. If he wasn't playing with JT and going one-on-one against JT, does that impact him? Yeah. Why were they playing together, were they? Them two are playing together in the final uh, round, yeah. Well, of course, that's it then. million percent. Yeah. They're probably thinking, all I've got to do is beat him. And he's probably thinking, all I've got to do is beat him. And it becomes match play. And then little did they know, Cantley was shooting 700 and, and is leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. Well, that's exactly the problem. Well, this is it. So, Ram needed Ram needed the second place finish on his own uh, or win the tournament to get that world number one spot. So, Justin Thomas holding that putt on 18 to tie him. Stops Ram getting that number one spot, but in turn it does DJ a favour because DJ then holds on to the number one spot and he's joined a, a lucrative band now uh, with Tiger Woods, Greg Norman, and Rory McIlroy as holding the number one spot for a hundred weeks. So, sick that mate. So sick in it. So sick that. Bittersweet in it. So JT obviously holds that putt. So DJ's made up because he gets that record, which he probably would have got anyway. But then obviously. Ram misses out on the number one spot and loses the tournament, so it's like a bitter pill to swallow for Well, it, like I know we're going to go into this debate in the future about the world ranking system and how it changed for Tiger and how like it's so mad away everything's swapping hands at the minute. Like world number one, like six has been this year, has the and the world rankings changed so much without without actually doing so with doing so little. Do you know what I mean? But like I wonder if the like if DJ had played and either like any the played shit, does he lose points for that? Or does yeah. inactivity help him? It's like, definitely worth a debate, yeah. We need to find out what what that what what uh, what happens there, really. But even the likes of Colin Morikawa, he's won a major championship and he's won a couple of events and stuff. But he's not the fifth best player in the world, is he? Exactly. So it's like it all goes on current like sort of form, doesn't it? Like your your last. It's like the stupid handicap system that's coming in now. It's your best whatever out of. Best eight you know out of twenty, like, yeah. Yeah, like it's like you're taking your best results in for the year, but then not not taking in anything else you've done before because obviously if they took in what Tiger done before, he'd still be well number one now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're never <laughs> catching Tiger. He had to change it just to even even it up, but he's um, well, he did. Yeah, but he's he's back at it now. You know what I mean? He's back at it. So Patrick Cantley, he took the he took the W, finished 
23 under par, and as you say, he snuck up. Yeah, another mad one about Cantley there. I remember texting you saying I was going to pick Cantley um, for the for our picks for the order of merit, and then I sort of went off about it. But then when I do my picks, I try and do them a couple of days on the Monday or the Tuesday, and I put bets on them. But then by the time I'd done the podcast on the Wednesday, I must have changed my picks. Told you what you had picked, and I was like, Fuck, I wish I picked Cantley. Went on my betting account there and only put a five each way on Cantley, didn't I? <laughs> so you've done your betting. <laughs> <laughs> so I bet on him, but I didn't actually back him in the order of minute. <laughs> cash money. So, cash yeah. money, but no points. That's it. That's better than the first place in the order of merit anyway. <laughs> I know, yeah. Getting, it was just, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, 200 quid? What's been going on? Am I being betting pissed or something? <laughs> Again, it's it's the second when you look at Cantley's statistics, it's the second week in a row now where I wouldn't wouldn't call them pappers because they're still knocking it a long way. But we talk about this Bryson debate and he's ruining golf and he's in it too far and he's ruining courses. But again, is Cantley's driving average for the week was two hundred and ninety yards. He was ranked twentieth out of seventy seven players in the field. Yeah, so like a quarter. Yeah, and then even down. and even as even as fairway percentage, he only hit seventy five percent of the fairways, which for the field was twenty eight percent. Do you know what I mean for the week? So he's not getting his ball in play as much as other players in the field, and he's not hitting it as far as other players in the field. But he's still coming out on top. So, so then all bring... about, I, I seen um, Phil Kenyon put up the last nine or like six or nine winners, and every single one of the not one of the strokes. Um, off the tee or the um, distance is anything to do with the winning all the, the winners have got first putting first strokes gained approach first scrambling first, like it's the, the the closest the green it gets is the the tournament winners that are, that are winning do you know what I mean distance is actually meaning nothing at the minute well and it's always been swing for show puff for dough everybody knows exactly. that you you hold the putt and you win look at Ram we spoke about his statistics before Ram's missed 12 greens so he's had 60 He's had sixty birdie opportunities. Some of them even eagles because he's he's hitting par fours and in, in par fives and two. Sorry, he might have yeah. even drove drove a par four. I don't know, but he's he's getting those opportunities and he's not holding those putts, so he's not yeah. won the tournament. And it's as simple as that. You can hit the ball. Well, you as can far hit the green. You, you can hit the green and not be close. Do you know what I mean? It's it's it, it, if you the yeah. closer you are, the more chance you've got a percent you've got a hole in it. Do you know what I mean? And that's what Tiger said going into this tournament. He said that the layout's the same, but the greens are flatter and the greens are bigger. So mm-hmm. that's probably why you're seeing that statistic. But you, you, a flatter green for for professionals at that standard who who hit pure putts, they're not going to get caught out by any undulation or any turns on the greens. They're literally just going to be hitting the on the line. It's not going to move as much. And I was watching the golf and I was thinking about that and I was saying these aren't moving as much. And there's so many putts getting held and so many birdies being made. And that's ultimately why you've got such a low scoring scoring tournament. But again, it's yeah. not about it's not about this Bryson ruining golf courses. You know that that's what even more makes you think that this is a, it's a it's a hunt against him. It is, yeah. He's trying I, to change I, I the game, think, and they don't, I don't like it. I, yeah, I don't think they're scared of the distance and him winning that major. I think they're scared of what could happen in the like future. The, the change of everyone doing it and everyone getting further, and they've still got the skill as well. Do you know what I mean? And they're scared. I reckon they're scared for the old golf courses, me. So yeah, yeah, you yeah. think it's not so much what Bryson's doing himself now in the game. Yeah, it's while there's as, one. It's you've got the 15, 16, 17 year olds, even younger than that, who are coming in and they're looking, oh my god, look what Bryson's doing. I'm gonna go on the range and I'm gonna try and swing it and it's as hard as I can and try and get it as as far down the down down the fairway as I can. 
Well, I, I don't think I, don't, I can't see anyone going out there and just trying to it's as hard as they can on the range. Like, do you know what I mean? The, the, the... <laughs> like me and you last week. <laughs> <laughs> Little bandwagon there, wasn't it? Yeah. What did we get? You got. I got a 162, I got. I got 153. 153, yeah. But well, you got one out there, didn't you? 311. Yeah. Well, three, well, uh, 309 on, on the actual thing. But when we actually play Pebble Beach, I got one out there, 311, yeah. 311, yeah. Nice. We're gonna, but that's what we're going to do in, in addition to to getting our statistics and working on specific elements of the game. We're still just going to swing it as hard as we can, aren't we? Well, I'm going to see. I, I want to I wanna try this this winter. I want to try and do loads of work with, with the coach, loads of work on like yoga and flexibility and loads of work on getting stronger as well. I want to be trying and hit it. I want to I want to try and become the best golfer I can be over this winter and there are the three ways of doing it. I'm glad you say I can be and not the world. Then I thought you were going to say I'm just going to try and be the best golfer <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Step at a time, you know what I mean? I going to say that would be another skip statement there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it was an unreal, unreal week of golf. It's good, it's good at the minute, isn't it, with the COVIDs and and you you think it's going to slack off, but they're still out there just making birdies, 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 aren't they? Yeah, well, it's it's one of them as well, and and like I'd say, it's obviously you can't really mention COVID and good in the same sentence, but like it's if you can't go out and you've got to stay in and, and whatever, you've got to watch the golf, haven't you? Do you know what I mean? Well, each tournament as well, it, it's close, like. There's two players at 2200 and one player winning at 2300. It's the it's the odd shot here and there, the odd bit of luck that you get, you don't get. That. Well, it's you need your luck, don't you? Yeah. You need you need your luck. You can, like no one can predict how a ball's going to fly into a tree at 100 200 miles an hour and what way it's going to react, can they? Yeah. And you know sometimes it flies back into fairway, sometimes it flies deeper into the woods. You just that's just the the way the cookie crumbles, isn't it? The rub of the green, as they say, the yeah. The, exactly, yeah. The rub of the mem- green. Mem- members bounces. Members bounce. You were getting a lot, a lot of them yesterday. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even a member yet. <laughs> so the order of merit update then. So I picked the three T's to try and mix it up to see if there was a chance of me changing the look, and guess what? No bueno. No bueno. Everything <laughs> exactly the same. I went for Tommy Fleetwood, I went for Tyrrell Hatton, and I went for Tiger Woods, and all three... A disappointing tournament, so just the 15 points for me that moved me up to 57. So, and who do you have, Kev? Matty Wolf, Xander Shoffley, Xander Shoffley, and John Ram. No, Rory McIlroy, you had McIlroy. So, that's look, that's what I mean. So, in my bets, I've got Tiger Woods, John Ram, and Patrick Cantley. Yeah, they're, they're the three that I picked, and then I've changed it to Rory Wolf and Shoffley. You actually could have been leading them. It's so close to the top now. Do you know what got, I mean? There's just 11 points split in the top six. Uh, Joe's being caught now by Kieran. So there's 11 players now on treble figures in over 100 points. And there's just two tournaments left. The Bermuda Championship this week and then the Houston Open next week before we've got double points at the season finale at the Masters. Nice. So it's going to be an interesting just, couple of weeks. I've just you said um, Andy Freeman got top um, top points this week. I've just seen him on the range then, and he was like, "You know what? I was looking forward to listening to the Bogey Boys on the way home there, but you haven't released the episode yet, have you?" Calm down. I'm going to sort it tonight. I promise. I've listened to the professional Reese episode twelve with Tom Higson. He's done it. He's, oh, he's done, done it. that yet as well. Yeah, yeah. He? Lovely. He loves it. Man. Great stuff. Great stuff. So the Birdie Bogey Bus this week, Birdie. So, yeah. It's got to be our affiliation with our cost golf. Of hasn't course, it? of course. Right there, cheers to that, yeah. Cheers to that. Look out on the socials because we're going to be hey. doing a big giveaway, aren't we? Yeah, we're doing a big giveaway soon. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, 
So look that's, out that's on definitely that is a million percent the birdie. The reason that we've started all this is obviously to help people and to like show the the roots of golfers and how hard it is. But at the same time, we we are putting a lot of effort in and we're, we're trying to put out good content as well. And it's good that like we're we're getting a little bit of um recognition for it yeah of course yeah and as i say we're, we're, we're decent enough golfers you know what i mean we don't claim to be experts we don't claim to be professionals but we can get it round. so we'll use the technology that's available to us we'll record it we'll show our improvements and hopefully people will see that and maybe not be inspired by it but it will it will lead them to go on and do and do the same thing and then they can and make I've, those I've same go, improvements yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah because we've well, been like, to- like we said last week already people are saying that they listen to the podcast and go to range because because they listen they got golf on the brain so they're listening to music and then going straight home it's it, it, it if it helps do you know what I mean it helps them it's yeah. good yeah so from the good to the bad the bogey players doing well in hoodies Tyrrell Hammond yeah. and Jordan Smith getting a hole in one and now Rory shooting six under well, I think that should be the bed, you know, because I'm getting definitely getting a hoodie. <laughs> the bogey should be Tiger's first round, man. What the fuck happened there? Yeah, or even his first four holes. But like you say, it's just yeah. tournament. It's tournament rust, isn't it? He's not bothered about the Zozo, is he? He's bothered about going from 15 uh, to 16 majors. Doesn't want to peak too he, early. No, well, he always said, didn't he? Like when you're a junior, the, the goal is to peak four times a year to win all the junior comps. The goal is to peak four times a year, win the major championships. Ain't that you pick along the way? It's a bonus. Yeah, and he's picked up 85, 82 bonuses. Yeah, <laughs> <Just> PGA Tour. <laughs> well, he's only man. picked up the, the most bonuses ever. <laughs> <laughs> so our bust. It's got to be the Masters part three getting cancelled, but sad, isn't it? Yeah, it's disappointing. That I love watching yeah. that. I do like watching that. All the caddies it's get involved. It's with the caddies and like, and you'd always see a mad hole in one. But I think Jack Nicholas's son got one last year. Didn't yeah, he? he did. Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure what yeah. year it was. Fact check that. But we, um, it was definitely, definitely got one. I seen that. Pretty sure it was last year. No, I don't know. Year before, I might have been when I was there actually. Why have you I been? Have you been the Masters? You've never mentioned it. Put that on every episode. I think I'm going to change your name to Kev Whitaker as being the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> So, new segment alert. Oh, yeah, the GOAT debate. So, we're going to introduce a new segment now. It's called the Generational GOAT debate. So, we're going to be picking the two best players of the generation and we're going to be providing some insight into the careers. And then we're going to let you, the listeners, decide through social media who wins each generation. So, what we'll do is we'll do a pre chat vote on Instagram. So, if you're following us on Instagram, what you'll have seen is that we've posted um, Walter Hagen versus Bobby Jones. Were you, you, I lo- you know what? I love this. I, I already love this segment. You know, even yeah. just if, if everyone hates it, I am just the things I've learned about Bobby Jones today are unbelievable. Well, this is it, and this is what we want to do, get that content out there, because the things I've learned about Walter Hagen are also unbelievable, and that's what we're <laughs> going to do. <laughs> I, I, Kev's going Kev's to argue the Bobby Jones viewpoint. I'm going to argue the Walter Hagen viewpoint, and then we're going to see if we can change your mind, because the votes that went down on the Bogey Boys Instagram podcast, Bobby won, but there's some information I've got here on Walter, which I'll go through in a minute. Uh, which I think that you might change your mind. So are you going to do? Are we going to do a post like saying um, now after listening to the episode, taking all the facts what you've heard? Who do you think who you're voting for now? I think we do that at the end. I think we do. No, that's we, what I mean. Like after like, tomorrow, we'll post that and say like, is that what we're going to do? Say 
who who do you think is going to is the goat now after you've listened to all them facts and figures? And yeah, and then it's either going to stay the same. It's either going to be Bobby wins, and then that's fair enough. Or we'll see if the information that people never knew about Walter maybe changed their mind, or the the information that they know about Bobby Jones justifies their pick. So, mate, I don't care. People like don't know the stuff I'm about to tell them about Bobby Jones. With. Well, let's hear it. Bobby Jones, yeah, yeah, born in Atlanta, Georgia, yeah, yeah. Won his first comp like the Atlanta Georgia like Invitational at age six, yeah. Winning tournaments at six, yeah. Winning tournaments at six. Won an, 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 a national tournament at age fourteen. So obviously you're thinking, what's the next step after that? After after you look at all the professional routes that's been on there, turned yeah. professional. Never turned professional. Never. He said, professional golf tour, the, the professional golf tour is like a cage. At first, you're expected to get into it, get into it, sorry, and then you're expected to stay there. Yeah? Yeah. 1926, he won the US Open and the British and the British Open as an amateur. In 1930, he won the British Amateur, the US Amateur, the British Open, and the US Open. In one, In one year? year? Yeah. Wow. Do you know what I mean? So why did he turn pro? Like he was, a, he was a lawyer. He, sorry, that, that's another mad fact about him. He was a lawyer his whole life, so he done golf part time and still won everything. Yeah, and he still won loads. Of, he, ne- he never played the PGA Championship, and he only ever played. He, he only ever played the Masters. Like I'll explain what the Masters in a minute. Um, he comes second in the US Open four times as well, which and it's a tired record of, of having seconds with Nicholas and Sneed, beaten only by Phil Mickelson. Who's come second six times, but he'd obviously <laughs> happily give up that record, wouldn't he? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So from 1923 to 1930, he won a major every year. So, he, like 1923, he won the British Amateur. 1924, he won the US Open, like the actual US Open. Like 1925, he won the British Amateur. And in 1926, he won the US and the British. 27, he won um, the US Amateur. And then 28-29, he won the British and the um, US amateurs. And then in 30, he won them all. Like, it's it's mental, that seven-year stretch that he went on. He's won 13 majors. Wow. Yeah, if you, I think, it, that, I think I haven't looked at that, I think that's including the amateurs as well. Yeah, so and the then, 13 um, majors will include the amateurs, which don't go on record as majors, do they? But yeah, it's so, still... it's, so he's not up there in the... Um, he's, he's, I think he's won eight or nine actual majors, but obviously all, all the while being an amateur, right? So he retired in 1930 after that season when he won all four, like the two amateurs and the two um, the two opens. And then in 1934, he founded and helped develop Augusta National Golf Club and co-founded the Masters. Yeah, well, it's interesting you could say that because 1934 that was when that was when the Masters was first established. Yeah, well, that, that's he, he came out. He came out of retirement in 1934. So after developing Augusta and developing the Masters tournament, to just for exhibition, he'd play that tournament every year, 1934 to 1948. But an an even more interesting thing about him, right? In 1942, he failed his physical examination for the Army, right? After Pearl Harbor, he went in to try and join the Air Force. Got a, I think it's called an F-7 or an F-4. I don't know what that means in Army terms, but basically you're unfit to be in the Army. And he um, he ended up sweet talking his way into the army. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't know how you do that. Like, and then in uh, nineteen forty three, he was promoted to major, sent to England, 
and um, he was he spent two months interrogating the Germans following the D-Day invasions. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what? Are you talking, I mean, what? that's all good. But <laughs> that make him the generational ghost, didn't it? For golf. Yeah, but he's just a sick man, isn't he? He is a sick man. I'll give him that, yeah. <laughs> wait there, wait there, wait there, wait there, wait there. And he was discharged in 1944 with the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> and he played his last round of golf in 1948 before being resided to a wheelchair and dying in 1971. So hopefully okay. he gets the sympathy vote as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> going through his whole. I thought we were doing the generational go debate. Not this is your life, I know, Bobby Jones. I know, but I had to, I had to get, I had to get, the, I had to get the sympathy and I had to get the heroic in there. Do you know what I mean? No, what a man. I'm definitely winning this. No, what a man. What a man. Sick you man. Might... Did you know? Did you know all that? No, didn't know. Sick, I, I, I knew there was a golfer out there who won a lot as an amateur. I just wasn't wasn't sure who it was. But yeah. yeah, but that'll stick with me now. Bobby Jones, amateur, Bobby winning, all Jones, that, winning all those tournaments. So all of us, including all the made the professional majors and all the um, British amateurs, US amateurs, there was fourteen in total. Was it thirteen? 13 you say yeah, thirteen. 13 in total. Yeah, that's I'd say it's a good go. And, that, and he didn't play in any PGA Tour events because obviously never. No, 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 he played. No, he played in the PGA Tour. He only won nine times. Oh, he won nine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He won nine. But times. he just he just was never a, um, a professional. Right, okay, fair enough. You know enough. what I mean? So you ready for Walter then? Yeah, I can't wait to hear about him. Walter Charles Hagen. So he was born in 1892 and he was from New York, the USA. Jesus. He's, he's widely regarded as one of the greatest golfers of all time and I'm going to explain exactly why that is. So the most major wins of all time was Jack Nicholas. We know that, 18, yeah. Closely yeah. followed by Tiger Woods to 15. Uh, and we'll be talking about those two in future generations um, uh, on the GOAT debate, obviously. But obviously. Walter Hagen holds the record for third place overall. Um, he's picked up 11 Does majors. He 11, he's won, yeah. He's number three oh, out of them that's all. sick, isn't it? Yeah, so he's only beaten by them too. Number 11, he's still number three. So it, what's more impressive about that is the if these figures weren't good enough for you, there was only three major tournaments in this era as the Masters, which you've just spoken about. Uh, right, didn't come around until 34. Yeah. Yes. And he was past he was past his prime like then. So he was the first American to win the Open Championship in 1922. And he went on to win the Claret Jugger further three times. So he got a total of four Opens. He won the US Open twice and he won the US PGA Championship five times. So there is 11 majors. Now, before the Masters tournament was was created and that, that was part of the Grand Slam, there was a tournament which was highly regarded called the Western Open. Um, and this is as close as it got to a fourth major. Now, Walter Hagen won that five times throughout his career. Ah. So he'll never get them as major championships, but if you call them the Masters instead of the Western Open, then essentially he's won 16 so- major championships. Ah, I see. Nice. Man. So if you think about that, 16 is one more than Tiger. So we wouldn't be talking all these years now about Tiger chasing Jack Nicholas. We'll be talking about Tiger chasing Walter Dan. Yeah, yeah. He's chasing Walter Dan. So he turned professional in 1912. He was 19 years old and he played the US Open the following year. He finished fourth. But after the tournament, there was a bit of controversy because he complained about how the veteran professionals uh, treated them. He said that they like they pushed them off the tee and practice and told them that he could practice once they played through. No people who didn't know who he was. Um, and so we got oh. that and he got he, he was so annoyed about that. And the next year he said, I'm gonna win this now. 
Um, and he did, 1914. He went on and he won his first major championship, which was the US Open. In addition to all of that, Hagen is still currently the eighth all-time winner on the PGA Tour with 45 wins. This yeah. No, I was looking at I went through all the um the PGA champion no, sorry, the open and the US Open of Hay of Jones and was looking round after round to see where and then every time Hagen was coming, like because I was hoping that because we were doing this debate, there was gonna be like a first and second, but it must have been just must have been a passion of the guard, maybe there. Yeah, so you got 1914 was his first major championship. Uh, and by the time 19th, you said he retired at 1930. Yeah. Yeah, well, Walter Hagen played in the 1933 Ryder Cup, so he would have been competing at the same time. Uh, but he, he wouldn't be able to play in the Ryder Cup, would he? Because he's an amateur. This is it. So he wouldn't have been able to play in that, but he would have been competing. So he's played from 1914 to 1933. So if you're saying that Bobby Jones was having all those wins... They wouldn't have played against each other in the amateur championships, would they? Walter Hagen wouldn't have played in the in the British and the US or the US amateur because he's a professional. I see, yeah. Yeah. Right. Another thing just to add into how sick Bobby Jones is, right? He played 31 majors, right? 27 top tens as an amateur. Wow. Get, get on that. And that's actual majors, not the uh, amateurs. They'll have, they'll have all been the tournaments that Hagen played in as well, wouldn't they? Same exactly. there, same time. You know what I mean? Amazing. But what, what, what stands out most, I mean, obviously, it doesn't stand out most, but he's most famous for was that um, the respect he got from his fellow professionals for how he grew the game uh, through a number of exhibition tournaments he played across the country because that enhanced the visibility of the game uh, and brought bigger financial earnings. So Gene Sarazen is on record to saying that each professional should thank Hagen for each check that they cash as it was Hagen who made the game what it was in that era. So oh, what that's he used brilliant, to, huh? What he used to do, he used to travel around America in addition to winning the PGA Tour 45 times, in addition to winning 11, should have been 16 major championships. He's also going around the country doing these exhibition tournaments outside of the professional game um, and just getting exposure and getting more sponsorships, getting more visibility to the game, uh, which then brought about more bigger financial earnings. So when I was reading about him and trying to understand his journey, it was it, to me. He's changed the game back then, the same way Tiger Woods has changed the game now. I was thinking about Tiger then, yeah, yeah. So the way Tiger uh, elevated it to that next level, I'm getting the feeling that Hagen done the exact same thing around that era. In around that era, well, it just shows goes to show you how much of a sick man Bobby Jones is because Hagen done all that, brought all the money to golf, and he still didn't take a paycheck out of it. <laughs> 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 and, then, and then went to war interrogating the Germans. <laughs> well, oh, it's, that's boss, that though, isn't it? From, from Hagen doing all that, like bringing that, that sort of recognition to, to, uh, to golf, do you know what I mean? It was literally unbelievable. I mean, but the, the thing that's closest, the closest to my heart for the Walter Hagen tribute, we spoke there about the 1933 Ryder Cup, uh, which in those days it was Great Britain against America. Uh, the Britain, the British took the victory on the day. But you know where the 1933 Ryder Cup was held? <laughs> Southport and Ainsdale Golf Club. <laughs> At my home. Couldn't believe me, eyes when it come through. And it you know what? Like, I, wish, I wish you didn't tell me that because I wish I'd have heard it. Because like, you texted me today, didn't you say it? I wish you'd have just told me then. I, mean, I know. I was, just too, I was that excited. Too I was excited. that excited. I was too excited. <laughs> I was like, you need, to, you need to hear this, yeah. That's Boston, isn't it? 
Walter Hagen, yeah. Tease it up on the same tease as me. Was it the same? Obviously not the same layout, is it? Do you know what I mean? Well, Gumbelies was still there. Was it? Huh? Yeah, that's that's why that's why they won't move. Like Gumbelies is probably the most iconic part of SNA. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know who Gumbelies is, it's on. We are going to post it as a highlight story of of the of the reel today when you can see PJ professional David Goscombe hitting it over the uh, <laughs> over the Gumbelies. Yeah. So if you look if you look on the social media, you see a reel that we've done and the Gumbelies uh, sleepers off the railway tracks that um, are situated right in the middle of the fairway. So it's a blind second shot in, but they've been there since the early 90s, 1900s, I think. No way. So Hagen's hit one over them, well, and we have as well. Hit one over them, we have, yeah. He's walked the same path we have, yeah. I think Bobby Jones probably dragged an injured soldier off them Gumbelies as well when he was in <laughs> World War II. By the, sounds, by the sounds of it, I think Bobby Jones built those with his bare hands. <laughs> he carried them over. Oh, but look, both him and Bobby Jones, unreal. Both won so much. But for me, Hagen's the generational goat for that era. Yeah, we'll, we'll let the, uh, the people decide that. It is. But yeah, that's the thing. We don't decide that, they decide that. So what we'll do now is, now that you've heard both sides of the coin, we're going to repost I, I, it. I, I, love, like, I love researching that today about Bobby Jones. I loved hearing about Walter Hagen. It's boss. I love it. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was good. Really, really good stuff. Yeah. So we mentioned and plugged earlier about the new handicap system. So our new handicaps are in. I can't They're believe in. this. I'm fuming. Yeah. I'm, I said before I wasn't going to mention it, but I am raging. Why don't like you build I, it? Why don't you build it up? So what was you saying at the beginning? I, I play was, off nine. I, I was I was catch. off nine, and I said I am. You were off what five point two? Yeah, five point zero. Five point zero. I was like, I am going to get lower than you this season. Yeah. So I've done my graph, played my competitions, done all this work, been going to see PJ Professional David Goscombe and come in and I was like, got to 5.6 and then I've been able to play the last few weeks. And, and then, I've I've slowly progressed upwards to 5.2 in the two yeah. tournaments I've played in. So I'm 0.4 away from you and I'm thinking if you play a few comps, I play a few comps, I can easily get there. I got my new hand and then the new handicap system come in, I got it. It was, I'm a 4.4. I'm thinking, yes, I've beat him. <laughs> And then you text me a certificate, 2.8. <laughs> I can officially turn professional now. I might just I might just do it. <laughs> so can I. I know. Should we just do it? Should we just be pros? Yeah, I think we should do it and interview each other about the professional route and be like, well, the new handicap system came in and uh, we just fought fuck it. Yeah. We're shite. <laughs> well, yeah, so you still can't catch me. You'll get there one day, mate. But... What's important to talk about is how this all works. Um, we're not experts. Well, I, We've always said know, we're not experts. I'll t- so. I'll t- you've done a bit of research on it today, so I'll tell you what I know, and then you can correct me if I'm wrong. Let's go, yeah. So I know for the f- that you do 20 rounds, and it's your best eight. Yeah. yeah. And it's your rolling 20 rounds from that point. Yeah, and then so it knocks off the worst one. It knocks off the, not the worst round, no. So it's the, say you play 20 rounds. When you play 21, it'll knock the, the one that you played, which was number one of that twenty rounds, and then so oh, I see. So, so it doesn't not. So it's so, your most recent twenty rounds. Ah, I see. Not your, I not see. your worst score. It's your most recent. So you'll play twenty rounds. So number one, two, three, right up to twenty. So when you play round twenty-one, number one comes off. I see. I see. And I then see. they're your most recent. Yeah. I see. So if you're playing well, it could by the by the time you play twenty-eight rounds, it could knock your eight best rounds off, couldn't it? It could do, and that's the point of the index, yeah. So then yeah. You're, getting a, you're getting an index which is relevant to how you're playing at that time, the most recent, and not just giving you your best scores. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. 
Interesting. And then I know for I know that each course gets a slope rating now. It gets a not, slope rating, yeah. Yeah, not like you've got no standard like um you, you haven't got a handicap for yourself. You've also got one that takes into the course and, and the weather and all that into consideration as well. Is that right? It is. So the the World Handicap System provides you with a portable measure uh, of your playing ability, uh, and it's consistent. It's consistent with how all golfers are measured around the world now. So your handicap index, what we've just spoke about, then mine being two point eight and yours being four point four. That's the index that you can port to every. So you can take that with you to every single course that you play in every tournament you play. So what happens there then is once you've got your handicap index on each course, your your course handicap is going to be calculated on the day of the tournament. And that will depend on the different tees that you play. Um, The way it works, you just spoke about the slope rate in there. So what you will have is on the first tee on each course or on an app or in a pro shop or somewhere, each course that you enter will have a slope rating. And what yeah. you do is you divide that slope rating by 113. So 113 is always the number that you divide it by. And right. then that, that will give you a number. It's just the way the calculation works. I don't know the arithmetics behind it or whatever. Arithmetics? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I'm saying too many words. But well, yeah, it's, so, yeah, so, so it's just it's the way 113. So you will have a slope rating um, and whatever that slope rating is, whether it's... 1.1, 0.7, and that slope rating determines how difficult the course is. That'll be divided by 113. So then you've got that number. Once you've got that number, you times that by your handicap index. So it'll be 2.8 for me and 4.4 for you times by whatever that number is. And that will give you your handicap for that day, your course handicap for that day. So that means that on the day when I turn up... Ah, uh, I see, I see, if playing, yeah. If I'm playing a more difficult course... Then so my, if you come to form be all your handicap will be about seven and mine will be about nine because it's obviously a more difficult course than SNA. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so, even though you're at four point four from there. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's the way it works. So we'll have it. Well, S- yeah, because you're at two point eight in SNA, so obviously <laughs> it's a fucking easier course. <laughs> <laughs> I fiddled the system. No, I'm joking. <laughs> But no, you've no, got. But, uh, actually, sorry, go on, carry on, carry on. Yeah, so you've got that's that's the way. Yeah, that's the way. So you'll have a handicap index. Your handicap index is determined by your twenty rounds and your eight best, and you get an average off the eight best rounds. So your eight yeah. best rounds gives you an average, and then the more tournaments you play, the more your your, your latest rounds will drop off, and then your yeah. your stroke index average will change. So until you've played twenty tournaments, you're not really going to have a index that's going to be fair really you need to i suppose you need to have those 20 rounds so that you can get that have that eight average and then you've got that index and then that will change so you go to a, you go to a form before the slope rating is is higher then your handicap will essentially be higher when you go when you go and play there you go to yeah. a course, you go to a course where the slope rating is lower then so on and so forth so your handicap will be determined by the course that you're playing and it'll be determined by your index your index is what you take with you and then you do, you do the calculations when you get there to see what you're playing off. I know what happens. So if you haven't got your eight rounds, you whatever it is, they take three off you. Like what's happened to you? So that's what's so, happened to me, is it? So you've been punished. They, they take to stop bandits turning up without having the eight rounds in the bag. They're off 18. They take three off them. They're off 15. So it's they're taking three shots off people. But I just don't understand... I understand it for the bandit sort of like the average golfer, but surely they can look back on your how did I do over the years and 
and give you the fair assessment and putting you off because three is not really a fair handicap, is it for you? But if you go back, if well, you go well, back, if, you off, you know I mean? no, but if, if you're going back through the years, then there's a few low scores there. So it, is that it, what they've probably done then? Because it, it, it may did, be, yeah. it may yeah. be because in in tournaments that I've played, that then I was lower than five at one point, and you know, so whether yeah. I mean I was I was off handicap of five when I was about. 14 playing a bootle and I've never ever once in that time been higher than five I've never went up to I think I went up to six actually when I first joined Southport Nays there because it was so much more difficult but it wasn't for long and then I came back down and then slowly came down even lower and I've never been higher so my handicap has never been higher than six since I've been yeah that's because you get to five and stop playing tournaments <laughs> <laughs> So whether 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 they've looked at that and they've just took a gauge and thought, you know, we can't all of a sudden give him ten when he's never been off ten in all his playing yeah. career. But I just I just think like like was David told me all about this because he had to go to a seminar on it with the PGA and he was like he was like if you're off five and then you haven't got your rounds and you want to be less you just don't play and you get three took off you you'd be off two. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Well, and it's well, like, well, well, Mark Hyde said the same thing, didn't he? He said that when he got to New Zealand, he played in a number, of, he played in a couple of tournaments and shot nine hundred in one of the rounds, and all of a sudden he was off plus five, wasn't he? And then so he doesn't play any tournaments, and it just takes that into account, knocks three off him, and he and he, next one he's sorted. But then this goes, this goes back to the point that we made earlier about it being unfair in England for the elite golfers because they don't get the opportunity to do that and to to have that system in place. So they're yeah. not getting, to, they're not getting to the plus five, plus six, plus but seven. So I, I I agree that it should be the same worldwide, but I just still don't agree that this is the right way to go with it. I think it should be reviewed worldwide as and changed. Obviously, the whole system should be changed. Yeah. Well, it did. I mean, we'll we'll carry on. We'll 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 carry on. We'll review it, and then we'll see if we can change your mind. Because I don't think it's too bad, me. If I'm being honest, no, I'm my probably... mind will be changed if I come down to scratch fast. It will be, <laughs> I will be happy about it very soon. <laughs> don't be worried about that. But I, I don't know. Like, I, not that I don't like change, but I just, I just don't, I just don't see it being a good system. Like, I've heard that if you've got ten good holes, if you level par through ten and you fake an injury. Your next eight holes can be pars. Yeah, but that's only that. Yeah, but that's something be, like that. that. Yeah, but if there's a, but you've always got a hand. There's no such thing as an as an NR anymore. You can you just get pars in, and I'm like, what? Yeah, but uh, and I'll explain that as well. So let let's go for scoring purposes. So for scoring purposes, everything's going to stay the same. So if you if you if you have a ten on your score when it when it's reviewed and the scoring. In the yeah. score and cut at the end, it only goes down for handicap purposes as a net double bogey. So in stroke yeah. play, you'll still need to. So the maximum the hole. you can be off is thirty six. Yeah. If you shoot hundred, if you shoot hundred eighty. Well, I don't know. I don't know how it works under under this system. Um, I would. No, I'm uh, saying. I'm saying in the in the old one. In the old one, yeah, the maximum state. That's where they give you the thirty six handicap. Yeah. 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 So the way this will work is you can only get it. So say using a, a nine handicap. Uh, if you're playing a hole with stroke 15, then because you only get the nine shots, you won't receive a shot. So on a par four, the most that you can get on your score is a six. So if you take an eight on that score in stroke play, you need to mark it down as an eight. But for your handicap, it will only ever you be get a six. six. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. not that's not changed. That's not changed either either way. Um, the same with the stroke indexes. So um, if you've got a course playing handicap of twelve, then the hardest holes one to twelve, you'll receive your your stroke on on that on that hole. So that that's not changed. Nothing's changed there. But like you've mentioned there, one interesting rule, um, it's called the hole not played rule. 
So what? That's what you've just been talking about. Then, when you don't play a rule, and how does that? Work? I just said there was a way. To, there was a way to fudge it. That's when I was speaking to David. I can't. I don't know the exact ins and outs, but he just told me that there's no such thing as an hour, and you can just carry on as if you've done X amount of holes, and you've got a certain reason behind it. It's like well, pot- well, potentially, I'll explain it now, and potentially that is the case. But then that's why you've got handicap committees at golf clubs because if they see a trend, then they should be able to do something about it. So what this what this ruling is is. Um, if there's a valid reason for not playing a hole, um, and that's defined as loss of light, a player being injured or somebody being ill, or the course declares that there's a hole out of play for one reason or another, whether it's um, there's work being done in it or it's flooded or whatever, um, then you're given a net par, providing that you've played at least 10 holes. So, for example, yeah. for example, if you're a scratch handicapper and after... 15 holes you're three under you're three under par then the you've run out of light because it's been a slow round then your score will be three under par you'll be given three net pars which as a scratch handicap with no shot is three pars so you'll be you'll be given that um as, as a standard or if you've played 12 13 holes and it gets stopped because of bad weather then again because you've played so many holes you'll just be given those net parts so those scores count towards your score and so i suppose then if you went out and teed off three and a half hours before the life finished and played slow and you still had six holes to go five holes to go and you said oh it's dark now so um i'll have to just have me five net pars and six net pars then the handicap committee at the golf club should be able to see those trends and think hang on a minute and they've got the power to suspend your handicap yeah, I've I've I found me all. I've been five under through nine a couple of times. It's been going dark, and because the temp's quite short, I'm like, let's go and play the temp. I want to try and get to six under. Like I've I've been in that position a couple of times. If I play the temp and I'm in a comp there, I can just I get pars all the way in and I shoot six under or five yeah, then, under. It's like what? But then yeah, but then the the caveat to that is that you've got you've then you've got to think about well, what time did you tee off. You've teed and off two I, I hours before I, the end no, of the night. I, I do get it, and I do get that I'm bringing out scenarios that aren't real, or they are real, but I do get it's not in competition play and all that. But you can hand in supplementary scores, and what, do, does that stop that? Like, I, I just, I don't I know. Just, I get, I, yeah, I mean, I suppose if you... Because we all can get slow play badly, and you can actually not finish a tournament, do you know what I mean? Well, this is it, and I think that, and I think it's fair in that case, because if you're, if you're playing really well, and you're two, three under par... What's to say that you don't, and you're on 15, what's to say that you don't finish birdie, 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 and you and you shoot your best score ever? There's not, so you're given net pars, pars and it could be a disadvantage to you. Yeah, but come you on, don't know that. That. if you're three, four under, anyone that takes three pars to close, because the nerve set in, you're panicking. Like, yeah. yeah, of course, of course, but there's 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 two ways to look at it. So I think no, of in, 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 old, in olden times, then that's an NR, you go up 0.1. So yeah. you're, you're three under net, and... It's it's obvious to see that even if you blob the last three holes, you're still not going to go up point one. So why do yeah. you go, why do you go up point one in the, in those situations? So that for me, as long as the golf clubs and the handicap committees, oh, I've got an eye on it. I've got an eye on it and do so. I can see the trends. Then I think that's a good rule. I think it's good because I don't think you're going to have many where you're getting 11, 12 holes in and they're going to. Try and fudge you. Try and fudge you. Yeah, it depends. If you if you need to get like like your round, you need to play like the the Crosby plate or the Birkdale, what's called the goblet or whatever. Goblet, yeah. You might you might need to get your handicap down for that, and you can start manipulating the scores. Like I don't know. 
But again, that's, but again, what you can do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, again, but then, and then that's up to the, the committees at the club to, to stomp that out, isn't it? Because I'm pretty yeah. sure members are savvy. So if members see that Kevin, he's not Whit- playing, Kev- yeah. Kevin, Kevin Whitsker's shooting oh, a net they- 66 every week, but he's only playing 11 holes, 12 holes, do you know what I mean? No, I they, are gonna, they are going to see that in the hoodie, <laughs> manipulating the rules. <laughs> Kev's going to be off plus five by next year. You watch. I was thinking, <laughs> me and you should, because we get getting up to date on rules, and we should try and bend the rules without without cheating, without doing anything outside of the rules. See how much we can low we can get. You're already there by fucking being off two point eight. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've already done it. I've succeeded. <laughs> Lowest handicap in my career, I think. No, but yeah, it's. No, it's I, I mean, it's I good. I like it. I think it's going to Do take you, a while. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to take a while to get used to, but I think once you've got the 20 rounds in the bag, it's 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 going to be a pain to begin with because everybody's going to be looking at the indexes, doing the calculation, thinking, oh, how does this work? But you've got phones, you've got technology now, so those you put your yeah. handicap index in and you say what course you're on. The calculations can be done for you. You're playing, what's easier playing off or playing off white, so the, stroke, the, the slope index is higher because you're playing off the white or lower, whichever way it works. So... It, it it's probably going to be a pain to begin with, but that's why they're giving you the handicap now in November, so you can trial it in the winter months, so that when March, yeah, April, see, when maybe, March April yeah. comes and the season's starting, then well, all... listen, it's like it's like the new rules are going for it. It's like leaving the flag in, like ninety six percent sure it went in the water, like all these different things that are up for manipulation and up for like up for debate. It's it just speeds up the game, and and it's we're joining the rest of the world, so. If the rest of the world are doing it, not complaining, then I don't see why I should ask for the rules change on my own. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the day, it golf's golf's all about integrity, and at the end of the day, it is. Yeah, you can say what you want, but golf, they, you just, you're not, you're not supposed to cheat, you're not supposed to manipulate, you're not supposed to do all this stuff. No. You're supposed to whatever you do, whatever you get on the hole, however but, you do it, you be fair. So yeah. anybody well, who does do that, then should be well, fucked off out of the game. I, I, anyway. I, twice I've played SNA and. One time, I actually found my ball in the ditch. But the, the when we played on on Thingo, we were like saying it's come over that hill and it's bounced. The last time I played, I was in this ditch. I'm I'm saying it's in this ditch. We can't yeah. find the ball. It's, you know, we looked around and we are ninety six percent sure it's went in there. But in the old rules, I'm back to tea. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's 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 one of them. Yeah, because we know we we yeah. When in on the ninth, wasn't it? When you yeah, on the ninth, left, yeah. On the ninth, yeah, 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 yeah. We know last time I was I was in that. It. So I know for myself, I'm not cheating, but in me, it really, I could say I'm, I'm pretty 96% sure it's in this water, but when I'm not really 96% sure, do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's no guarantee it went in there, but... Yeah, but but at the same time, it more, more than likely is. Yeah. But again, in the you... you had to see, see it go in, didn't you? Do you know what I mean? But you, you're already getting punished because you're taking a shot penalty anyway. So... yeah. You know what I mean? But then it's, that's like saying if you lose it, if you lose your ball, you just get to drop one down. Like you, you don't, you don't get to do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose it's, it's yeah, because then you'd be taking the two shot penalty, wouldn't you? Because you'd be normally yeah, so taking it's, your four it's shots. It, it's, I don't know. They're up there to be bent, aren't they? A little bit at the minute. Yeah, and, and again, it goes back to integrity. It depends who you're playing with and what type of people, what type of people they are. If you're honest and you, you know what you're doing, and fair enough. If well, I, I wouldn't like to take that if I didn't do it the last time when I was actually in that ditch and found my ball. When I know for a fact I can get to that ditch and, and it wasn't that far off line, you know. What yeah, I mean? same so, tees. But yeah. anyone, other people going up there could see a ditch and be like, "I'm in there. I know for a fact I'm in there." Yeah. And when they're not really, do you know what I mean? Probably yeah. not long enough, or they're not off, off line enough to get there. But yeah, whatever. That's that's another one of them rules debates that we're going to bring into the uh, the Bogey Boys Golf Day as well. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, uh, everything changes when you finish the round as well. So you'll 
check your scores, sign your cards, submit it to the score or through a computer system as you normally would. So nothing's changing there uh, from that aspect. There is a change from the what we know as the CSS. So we know it as the core standard scratch yeah. CSS. Its name's changing to the playing condition calculator, the PCC. Mm. I know, yeah. So changes. So again, um, it works the same way, I think. Um, whereas... Yeah. It takes, but it in, takes it, into account the weather, doesn't it, as well? It takes into account the weather, the scoring conditions. Um, it will calculate. Um, I, I don't. You can fact check this, but I think that it can only go one under or three over. Well, I know. I yeah, I've heard you can. On, you can. Yeah, but I know you, your handicap can change four shots in a, in a weekend. Like you can be a four the Saturday and eight the Sunday. That's the index can change by that much. Is that, I don't know, but I just know that one of the pros of form, you all told me that. So the way that would work is it's something, I did read that, it's about uh, it's about an, an exceptional score. So if you have an exceptional score where you shoot, and again, fact check this because I, I don't really know this, but from what I've read is if you have an exceptional score where you're, I think, seven under your handicap, then you could your index can move by one or two full shots. So if you shoot seven uh, under, my, if I shoot, say I shot... It's probably bad using me as an example because I'm not going to shoot four. Well, I got one the other day, didn't I? I got an exceptional score reduction, and Dave was saying that the, it's a it's a witch hunt after me because there shouldn't have been an exceptional score reduction because I wasn't even under my handicap. But on this one, this so yeah, in those terms, this would be similar. So if you go seven, I'm just going to use these these numbers out there. They mightn't be right, but if you shoot seven under your handicap, so you're off ten, you shoot three over par, then yeah. your index for the next tournament will be eight. So that, but then if you play a course that is the slope index brings your handicap down two shots again, then you'd be playing off six. So I think that's maybe where they're coming from when they say uh, you're off 10 one week and, f- and six the next, and there's a four shot difference. It's because it would take into account the exceptional score and difference plus the, oh, see, plus, yeah. plus the, the course that you might be playing the following week might be easier. So at, I'd say that I would I would gather a guess that that's what they're referring to, but I could be wrong. There could be a way that you do come down four shots from having an exceptional score. Well, I'll, I'll fact check that and get, get a bit more information on it because I got told that and then I, I, he just said it and I didn't actually get any more information out of him as to why. I just knew I was just like pissed off thinking, how can I be off eight one day and then four the next? It's like, what's yeah, it, how's that? How's that a thing? Well, that's we'll, the good... we'll get used to it, we? and, we, and we'll 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 see how it works and. And that's the good thing about the podcast, isn't it? At the end of the day, we're obviously, we're starting this debate, we're starting talking. People who are listening to the podcast who either wouldn't be able to access the information because they don't know where to look or they, they couldn't be bothered looking, they'll just believe what well, yeah, people say. It's there for the minute. Yeah, yeah. This is it. And then they can go and do their own research. Any questions that are unanswered, messages on the social media, we'll try and find it out for you. If not, then we'll... Um, lie to you. Yeah, <laughs> lie to you. <laughs> Best fact check on this whole thing, because as I say, we're not experts, we don't yeah. claim to be. <laughs> fact check the whole fucking podcast, man. <laughs> but yeah, like you mentioned there, as you play tournaments, once you've registered your 20 scores, um, the index your index is going to be true, and then it will change as and when you continue to play more. More scores will get dropped off at your most recent 20 scores. So yeah, um, that's about as much as I've got. For the for the handicap system, and that's as much as we. That's about as much as I can take. (laughs) Same, same. So we've got the Bermuda Championship this week. Yeah, it's a it's a hard one to get excited about, but still some uh, some serious golf in it. Well, the big boys aren't there. This is where last year Brendan Todd started his amazing turnaround. 
He had a couple of really poor seasons, lost his card, wanted to quit, got his card back, and this was his first win. He went back to back, didn't he? Did won, he, the yeah. Bermuda, won the Bermuda, yeah, he's the defending champion. He won the Bermuda and then won the following week, yeah. Do you know who one of the favourites are is for this week, sorry? Go on. Doc Redmond. Oh, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> My man, Doc. But you know, an interesting thing, it, this is at um, Port Royal, isn't it? Port Royal. So, Club, yeah. Port Royal, yeah, in Southampton. Obviously, Southampton, somewhere Bermuda. And it's ties in quite nicely this week because it's designed by a man called Robert Jones. So it's like Bobby Jones as well. Like, and uh, actually, when I was reading the facts and figures about um, Bobby Jones before, they actually worked together on a few projects, and they obviously often get confused as if they're brothers or the like dad and lad or whatever. But <laughs> one's the designer, and the other one's the, the one the who's player, scared, but the, scared to turn professional. Yeah, yeah, army veteran, but um, best best golf ever. <laughs> <laughs> still selling it, yeah. <laughs> still having a go, having a go. Brilliant. The Bermuda Classic, um, yeah. A few notables in the field this week, in addition to Brendan Todd. Um, you've got former Masters champion Danny Willett. Um, 2020 Safeway Open winner Stuart Sinks there. Bring him, yeah. rolling back the years. Henrik Stenson, uh, another winner this year. Harold Swafford's playing. Harold Varner the third. Charlie Hoffman, Pat Perez. And then you've also got Will Zatoris and Peter Malnati. Um, so there's quite a, there's quite a few... Good, decent golfers. When you think that the household names aren't there, but it always they always seem to surprise these tournaments. The in, course in, of, in in your little run up there, you've just named three of my picks, my three <laughs> picks. It has. Good, good. I'm just I'm glad you you've not got the same as me. Then, or you might have the same as me because I've named one of them as one of my <laughs> picks. It would be interesting. But the course itself, it's not long. It measures. 6,842 yards, although it is the longest in Bermuda. Um, need to get over there and play golf, to be fair, if, they, if they're I that know, short. Man. Uh, and it's right on the ocean, so I imagine the views are just going to be unbelievable. It looks unbelievable. Um, it's voted as one of the best courses in the world, and the New York Times named, named it as the best course in Bermuda. So it's going to be unbelievable conditions. It had a $15 million renovation, um, a couple of years back, uh, and the the lookout hole is number sixteen. It's a two hundred thirty five yard par three with nothing but ocean between the tee and the green. And I'd try what you do there, like try and fucking land it on a boat or something. I t- I get the driver out <laughs> and play a cut and double cross it sixty yards left into the ocean. <laughs> or aim for the fishing trawler and hope you can play your second off it. Yeah, swim over to him. <laughs> So who have you gone for this week, Kev? Right, you know what I've gone for? A little bit of a rollback. So I've gone for Stuart Sink, yeah. Henrik Stenson and Charlie Hoffman. The old fellas? Taking it back oh. to the old school? Oh. What, like, And this is going to be another one of them where I've put my money on like, like these different players. I was going to go... I read this story about Reen Gibson. Have you ever heard of him? No. So it's R-H-E-I-N. I don't know, however you say that. Rain. Rain. Rian. Rian. No. Maybe. Rian, Rian, I don't know. Rian Gibson. And anyway, he shot a 55 before. What? Yeah. I've got a scorecard here. What do you have back, man? 26. What are you trying to see if he gets beaten in a car playoff or something? I was thinking 55 front man, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he shot six under front man. So 29. And then on the back man, he's... Well, the back. Eight, he's finished. 
Eagle, birdie, eagle, birdie, 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 birdie. For 26. Wow, is it? And he's playing this week, is he? He's playing this week, yeah. I don't know where this, this was, but i just seen it as I was reading about it. And I was thinking, oh, I just pick him for the crack because he shot 55, but I thought... And then I see he was like 250 to one or something. I thought, ah, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> There's no extra points for picking those fellas, definitely not. That's what I mean, but I've got to put some money on them though, anyway. Yeah, you might as well, and I've mentioned them. So my first pick is Justin Sue. Oh, yeah. Justin who's, Sue. Who's so he finished, he finished tied <laughs> four. <laughs> he finished tied 14th at the Corrales and tied eighth at the Shriners. So with this field, he always seems to be competitive. So hopefully he can just go one step further um, and get me some points because I need them. My second pick, you named him, Doc Redman. Oh, yeah, nice, nice. I can't see him in that. I thought, them, but... you know, as, as soon as I seen him on the bet, I thought Locker was got to pick him. Man. <laughs> but he finished 35 there last year. Uh, and in his five starts in the PGA Tour, he's had two third place finishes this year. So uh, picking him with good, re- good reason. Do you know what I mean? He's What's he been doing when he hasn't? Has he not been playing the, the PGA's hard often? Like he's uh, been on the I think he's one of these. No, I don't. He's not on the corn fed. He's got PGA Tour playing mates, but I just don't think he's when when all the big boys are playing and there's only so many allowed in the field. I just don't think he gets. He, he's not eligible to play in them. Really? Yeah, mad, mm-hmm. isn't it? It is a bit mad. Yeah, I don't know where he's ranked, and I don't know whether that. It's good that, stats, though, isn't it? To him, if he's only played five times, yeah, two top two top threes. Did you say? Yeah, yeah, that's good fucking, pick. That's good, that. And we all know what he's like off the tee. You yeah. To, you only have to go back to episode two or three, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Tell you all about him. <laughs> <laughs> so then my final pick is Peter Malinati. Ah, uh, nice, yeah, the yeah. boy. The boy. He finished second at the Sanderson Farms and fifth at the Shriners Open. So he's a man in form, again, with this field, the same field as well that they seem to play against. So I'm hoping he can bring some points this week. So they're... Gone, for, gone, gone back to being factual because the TTT didn't work last time. So going back oh. to, to getting some stats to see. It's interesting that you're saying TTT didn't work for you and now stats are going to work for you because I don't think stats are working for you anyway in the first place. Sutton's got to give. Do you know, I'm just build, I'm, I'm building it up. I'm just practicing. You know, next year's the big one, isn't it? We've got we've got a lot of requests in now looking for people who've missed out on this year. I think we had like 19 or 20 who played this year, I think we've already got about 40 or 50 who yeah. want to come next year. So anybody on the social medias as well that wants to get involved, um, just messages. We're going to release. The, the, the bigger we get and like the more listeners we're getting, like I'm seeing like listeners constantly in like Texas, like New York. You can see them at the listeners of every episode because we can see the analytics. Like get involved and like we will pull as many strings as we can and like even do a GoFundMe page if you win to get you over to fucking play with us. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find a way to get you over even if we'll we don't do ask. something. Yeah. Even if we, we'll pay ourselves because the publicity you get out of that means people will be loving it. <laughs> Bogey boys pay for New York man to fly his dream to come and play the 1933 Ryder Cup course that was a Hagen played. <laughs> His time Walter, wish was Walter, to see the Gumbelies. <laughs> Walter Hagen, the generational goat. <laughs> <laughs> you still selling that, are you? <laughs> no, but it's been a day, it's been a good week. We've we've got our partnership now with. Uh, Arcos Golf, you know, yeah. Bogey Boys 10, get yourself 10% off. Go and go and check them online. We're going to be doing a big giveaway this week. So check out on the social media page 
We're going to be doing a big giveaway, so it's something you want to enter. We're going to run that for about a month, and then and we're going to. I'm going to try and get to five rounds as quick as I can with these to try and give some. I know we're saying we're affiliated, but we want to um, actually fully be able to test and tell exactly what we think and how this product works. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we, we again we're affiliated with them, but at the end of the day, we're also customers, aren't we? We've got the products. Yeah, exactly. We've got the products. Then we're going to. Yeah. yeah, we're not just saying this is boss because. We get this. We, we've we've got the stuff in our hands. You know what I mean? We've literally got the stuff. We're gonna we're gonna record our improvements. We're gonna show you how it's helping our game. And if it can help your game, fantastic. If it's not something you fancy, then it's been a great show. I've enjoyed it. Hope you have took some knowledge no, out. Of in, the... It's been an interesting show, on it? Because we've talked about two old, like one one was born in nineteen eighty odd, wasn't he? Uh, eighteen ninety odd, yeah. Eighteen ninety odd, like the nineteen thirties. What, like you do loads of facts and figures on them, and then next week we're going to do uh, obviously another generational goat debate. Over, generational which, goat for the next one, yes. We'll for be the next one, we're going to be we're doing, going to be doing the exact same thing. And I, I was so Sam Sneed next week, is it? Is it, yeah. Sam, Sam Sneed and Ben Hogan, isn't it? Yes, Sam Sneed, Ben Hogan, exactly. Yeah, so, so, again. We're going to be, so we're going to be doing them, and I just think that it's really informative to know that, as you say, Walter Hagen put the sponsorship and the money into golf. Like, who knew that? No, exactly. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's interesting to find out these things, even if only only us take interest in it, it's still we're getting some information for ourselves. <laughs> we have a chat between <laughs> us, yeah. <laughs> we can sleep at night. Well, knowing no, that I know, know I know for I know for the fact that the, everyone that I know that listens to it will be like, wow, that's sick, that isn't it? Yeah, didn't know definitely. that. Well, didn't it, know, I didn't know Bobby Jones was a war veteran. Wow, he's the goat. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, before you try and sell it anymore, <laughs> we'll call an end to the show. We're going to release another episode of The Professional Roots. Um, so we hope you're enjoying that series. And we've got another few guests lined up, which is slightly off The Professional Route. But again, we're pretty sure that you're going to enjoy them as well. So yeah, stay tuned. Keep, keep interacting with us on social media. And we hope you keep enjoying the shows. But until next time, thanks and bye. Ciao.